0: hi everybody and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the matt brown show this is the secrets of scale series where i'm connecting you to founders who have doing things at scale so (laughs) with our uh with that in mind here's our guest for today Um, his name is none other than usman sheikh he is the founder and ceo of xiq usman welcome to the show Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Yeah, the privilege is all mine. So why don't you kick us off with um, the elevator pitch about uh, you know, what you guys are doing there at XIQ, uh, who your customers are, and the problem that you solve.
1: Yes, thank you. So Matt, XIQ is the world's first AI-powered B2B sales and marketing platform that uses artificial intelligence as well as psychology to help B2B sellers get a better understanding, and be able to personalize their whole sales and marketing engagement with their prospective clients. Um, The background to our platform and how it came about, I used to be a vice president at uh, SAP prior to kicking off um, and starting as XIQ. And at SAP, I held, uh, which is the world's largest B2B software company, I held multiple roles. One of them was in product management. So I was able to understand and see firsthand and experience how to build world-class class, enterprise-scaled products. And second, I was also responsible for doing digital commerce, so building their online B2B sales store. So like the App Store, they used to have a B2B sales store. And as you can imagine, B2B versus B2C It's quite a difference in terms of the decision-making process that buyers go through. So we had to take a lot of things into consideration. And um, while doing that, I realized, you know, what were some of the challenges that B2B sellers were experiencing? And that led me to thinking about how could we reimagine the whole B2B sales process in the age of AI and,
0: um, and behavioral sciences coming together? fantastic thanks for that so when so I've got your website off everybody uh, so it's the personality driven sales and marketing platform it's a very interesting positioning that idea of personality driven sales and marketing platform right so when we when we say that when when you when we talk about this idea of the personality what is the insight there why does this matter in the context of you know b2b sales or any sales right so
1: at the end of the day, we sell to people. We're not sending to monolithical ethical institutions. We're selling to people. And people are buying from people they trust. So building that interpersonal relationship is very important in B2B selling. B2B selling also is an emotional process. And today it requires multiple decision makers that you need to be able to convince. So being able to understand the personality behind the individual That's the way they think the behavioral mindset of that person and how they're going to make the decision becomes paramount and very important. Um, And especially at a time when we are in the Zoom land, you know, we're talking across Zoom boxes. We don't have the opportunity to go meet people um, as persons. We don't go into the office to see what are the pictures around them and what are the awards that they have won. So in that environment it becomes even much more difficult for us to be able to understand how we're going to build that relationship how we're going to what are those emotional touch points that we need to strike on so that's why set understanding the personality of your prospective buyers and decision makers becomes that much more
0: important very interesting so when when you look at the personality of Matt Brown for example um what is your system actually analyzing for argument's sake? Is it looking at what I'm posting on YouTube, social media, like how many data points are you crunching at scale to provide an accurate personality assessment of myself, for example?
1: Yes. So, and I'll show you your personality in a little bit so we can actually deep dive into that. Can't wait. Um, But, You know, at the core of what we are doing is using psychometric assessments. This is the behavioral science that's existed for over 100 years. It was originally founded by Dr. William Marston. And Dr. William Marston is the person who's also the uh, originator of Wonder Woman, believe it or not. So he created Wonder Woman. Um, So what this is, is it's essentially people, you know, these were psychological tests that were given, assessments that were administered. You took multiple choice tests and you were responding to a set of questions. And within those questions, hidden were key words, you know, like, are you in management? Are you a leader? And these would help you define what kind of personality there is. Well, fast forward 100 years, and we're at a point where we're using a lot of words in the social media, on in the public social media. So our engine goes out there and it picks up a lot of your posts. It picks up, your, for example, your public LinkedIn profile, if you've written blogs, if you're writing yourselves, and it analyzes what you're saying and writing and pulls out the words to be able to conduct the same assessment as a personality assessment test would, except that it's working and doing it within three seconds, and you're not having the subject take a test. It's all based on their public digital footprint. And these are hundreds of data points based on what you have stated
0: and written uh, or said in public media. And how many data points are there? I mean, if I I think, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I would, you know, if you think about, well, how much content does Matt put out every, <laughs> probably more than most, but, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that it's it, the number can't be that big. But when I first met you and you were telling me just how big this thing actually is, it's actually way bigger than you would expect in terms of like the number of data points that you're analyzing or crunching at scale.
1: Yeah. So we don't have an exact number count per se, but there's a lot of signals that we drop, right? So every time we write something in a sentence, we are unknowingly expressing and using words that will help an engine like XIQ construct and analyze that. So this could vary from a simple job description that you may have on LinkedIn describing what you've done. It could be your job titles. It could be your company. It could be things that you've written to explain uh, who you are, or uh, articulate yourself. It could be your video posts. It's basically analyzing what you are saying and writing. And based on that, we have a huge library of words that we can then correlate back to. um, And that corpus of words keeps growing every time. And, And we keep adding that back and being able to analyze. So the more you speak and the more public presence you have, the confidence level with which we can predict your personality keeps going up
0: well I think let's let's see this because I wonder if you could share uh, your screen with us and just show me Matt Brown like let's have a look sure. at what uh, what you've got what you guys have for me I'm curious <laughs> um, yeah. and if you are watching or if you're catching this on um, on uh, the audio version head on over to YouTube uh, my YouTube channel to see what's going on over to you
1: yeah so if you can see my screen. Mm-hmm. Um, what we are seeing is a desktop version of the XIQ platform. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically type in here Matt Brown, uh, the Matt Brown show, and our engine is going to start conducting a search. And right there, you come up as the first search. And if I click on that, I can then go in and XIQ has already built out a pla- a, a profile of yours. It says Matt makes swift but well thought out decisions, has a candid style of communication. It lists you in the dominant category of personality. So all of us have four per key personality traits, dominant, influence, steady, and conscientious. And some of us have more of a particular tra- type of trait. Um, within that, the persona, it says, is that of a driver. And it gives me certain qualities that you're self-assured, adamant, driven, impulsive, courageous, and some communication tips. But I can go in and now by clicking on more on Matt Brown, I can actually start seeing a fairly detailed view of who you are. And it's giving me at every single point tips about you. So, for example, at the highest level, focus on being dynamic and efficient with Matt. Let Matt take the lead in a conversation, but don't allow Matt to dominate, for example. Then it goes down, starts telling me behavior. And as you can imagine, you know, when you are going into sales or prospecting, the first thing they teach you is understand what is the behavior and what motivates a particular person. So Matt, you know, just looking at behavior is happiest taking control of a situation and is resolute when it comes to motivating colleagues to achieve positive results. Then it tells me certain tips about you, Matt. And if your audience is seeing it and they know you, they should be able to read through some of this as well. Then it gives me motivations. You know, what motivates you? It tells me how I should build trust, all based on proven behavioral science that's existed for over 100 years Millions and billions of tests have been conducted. So we're just taking that knowledge and we're tapping into that to be able to predict now within three seconds a personality type. Um, And we keep going down, gives me recommendations on communication, how to write an email, uh, how to work together, um, and then how to sell to you eventually. So it gives you a whole broad breadth of information that's extremely useful. Not only that, it now helps me start map out what is my affinity or sales alignment with you, right? So in this case, I am a driver, personality similar to you. And because we are similar, we're likely to somewhat butt heads, right? And so the affinity that comes up is medium affinity. But worry not, it also tells me below that how to approach Matt, Right? how to build that relationship with you um, and and gives me some tips on how to best moderate my discussions uh, with you, Matt. So it comes in extremely handy. I'm going to stop sharing right now and we'll come back to looking at more stuff if we need to. Um, But it starts giving me some information in terms of um, how to actually mitigate our maybe personalities that have medium affinity, how to overcome that and really become knowledgeable about you.
0: Fascinating stuff. And, you know, I've done loads of these psychometric, well, I would say loads, probably yeah. like, I don't know, maybe six in my career, you know, for, for various reasons. Um, and uh, looking at that, I, I would. I didn't see a single thing on that, not one thing that wasn't mostly true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's true. So I think knowing that, it's, it's a really insightful thing because – one of those things was, you know, talk to Matt about big, well, big, big idea concepts as opposed to the details. Um, and the, I'm, I'm a visionary, right? So I get excited about the big ideas and the concepts for things, but don't come to me with the, oh, here's the mechanics of how, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's too, it, I would ignore you. And I yes. think knowing that insight, it can really help, uh, well, it would help anyone trying to sell to me. And obviously by extension, it would help a lot of startups scale their revenue and their outreach and so on and so forth in a way that's not templatized, that it's actually quite carefully assessed and curated and articulated so that when you do actually reach out and, and to a prospect you have a higher probability of selling them, which is what really, you know, obviously, you know, this, but everybody, a lot of people do, but like sales is the heart of any business, right? So the more you can sell, the more revenue you generate, the more you can scale. And that's a really powerful, uh, powerful idea. So, you know, you, you mentioned artificial intelligence up front. So this is a whole stink right now with chat GPT and so forth, and its ability to write sales emails and things like that. So is it, is it possible right now maybe if it's not that's cool but maybe it's on your roadmap but is there an is there a way for and i think it is possible but is there a way for out of your platform to write the email so listen so here's the here's the insight format but here's the email to send does it do that
1: absolutely so it's coming up we're introducing that in about a month um, and we are actually using ChatGPT as we're partnering with ChatGPT in this particular case. And the contributions from XIQ are going to be that EQ, the emotional aspects of how to approach and what needs to be added into the email. So the person, the salesperson, will simply go in and select a person, Matt Brown. Um, our engine will then surface. All the ways, the best ways to communicate to you exactly to your point. Don't get too clustered or bothered down in details. Stay at the high level. You know, what are the kind of salutations? What would be the best way to write a subject for that email that will get your attention? So uh, those will be contributions from our engine. And then Chap GPT will do a very nice composition of that, right? It will take into um, consideration: How to approach you, and it will be different in terms of how we approach you versus how we approach me. And compose an email, even if the topics are same, the subjects and the words used within those emails will be different. And um, our early trials, we are in the alpha testing stage of that right now, indicate a 10x higher um, engagement rate. Uh, people getting much more engaged, responding to those emails versus. Um, just letting it, you know, just a human-written email, and and you know, today, you know, the other challenge, Matt, is that we're again, we're not selling to one person, right? We're selling to, Gartner says, an average of twelve people. I think it's even more than that, mm-hmm. right? And so, you've got to now start composing these personalized emails that need to resonate with each one of those individuals, and that's a very tall order for salespeople to fill in terms of doing the research finding out who those individuals are, then you've got to be almost a writing genius to be able to compose those emails for each one of those individuals, right? So that's where a tool like XIQ and its ability to generate these highly hyper-personalized emails comes in very handy. And so I'll be able to show you in a little bit this thing called buyer relationship management. This is another concept that XIQ has given birth to. And I'd love to be able to show you that and tell you how we can use AI to manage relationships with multiple decision
0: makers and buyers. Perfect. And on that bombshell, we're going to take a quick break. The Matt Brown Show is presented by Carifin, an investment bank that offers and supports direct private investments in U.S. operating companies. Over the past 20 years, investors have placed over $1.2 billion of private debt and equity in more than 100 companies through Carafin and its affiliates. Carifin leverages technology to empower its community of investors to deploy their capital far more efficiently than ever before and connects their community of engaged investors with worthy companies. Invest portions of your portfolio in direct private investments today. Visit carafin.com forward slash Matt Brown show for more. And we're back. So um, I don't know whether you've heard of this. Uh, the, well, I think a lot of us, a lot of us rather, <laughs> have played around with these um, uh, LinkedIn automation tools and some are better than others. And, and one that I've started to use recently is something called uh, Connected Reach. I don't know whether uh, whether you know of it, um, but um, the, the CEO is coming on to my show, Devin, uh, actually next week. Um, but I'm... And there, I'm there's a reason why I'm telling you everybody this, uh, but it's a really powerful uh, platform. I'm going to quickly share it. But I think your your technology would be like, it would be like next level, next level valuable because what uh, LinkedIn sequencing does, obviously uh, for everyone who doesn't know, it allows you to essentially use the LinkedIn network to, you know, build a network and, you know, get in communicate with them almost so just like a, another alternative channel to email. But here's the thing. I think your tool, if you could plug it in there, you know what I'm saying? Like you knew like, hey, so for this guy, personalize this exactly. Imagine if you sent a thousand connection requests in a month, say. Um, and in those thousand connection requests, and this is what I'm doing currently, it's kind of like, it's the standard pitch. So for some reason it works for me, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm a different type of proposition altogether. But but where I'm kind of going with this is a lot of people aren't, you know, Matt Brown with a different proposition. They're selling things like SaaS services and maybe, you know, marketing or maybe BDR, you know, outsourcing or something like that. And I think where there's a very interesting opportunity is to is to use your tool almost as almost like a a, a kind of like a a messaging planning type tool isn't there um and then and then Together with Connected, I think your technology and their technology would be like next level. And I think there's a – I'm going to connect you to Devin because I think there's a really amazing uh, partnership, strategic partnership between the two of you um, because they're scaling like next level. Like they're raising shit tons of money. I think their last raise was like $35 million. And I think together, I think it would be a really interesting conversation for the two of you to have. The other thing, you know, now to, to, to get to you to, to come back into the conversation, you know, Usman, is – this idea of what you were saying around managing relationships, like that's really what Connected Reach is doing. It's, it's using the social graph to manage relationships at scale, but it's also really driving the time efficiency of this whole situation, isn't it? So where does your technology come in then in terms of managing relationships?
1: Absolutely correct. So just let me point out one thing, uh, according to a McKinsey report, those Sellers that are able to personalize their message for buyers have a 25% higher win rate. That's huge, right? 25% higher win rate just based on personalization. So going back to what you're talking about in being able to custom tailor your message to the thousands of people that you're doing an outreach to. And then, as you said, you know, take it beyond the Matt Brown special personality who can write these emails and craft these emails take it across to an audience or a sales force, right? Which struggle to do that. So how does that manage? So let me just share my screen again um, and show you what we have built and we call this thing buyer relationship management. So here, what we've done is again, using XIQ, we've been able to search just like we found you. We've been able to find individuals within a company and we've been able to add them into what we refer to as a buyer group. And once we add them into the buyer group, based on their psychometric profiles, it automatically places them into three categories. The doers. And the doers are individuals that are, you know, confidence, fast-paced movers. You know, they're the guys who want to get things done. But potentially could be polarizing factors as well, because I want to come in, steamroll over everybody and want it my way or the highway. So it's good to know that my champion or the person that I'm talking to Is a doer. Second category it places them is into coaches. These are people who are a little bit more thoughtful, want to think about it. They're going to deliberate a lot more. They're probably going to help you out, but they're probably not going to help you make a decision. And lastly, you have blockers. And these are the people, strategic thinkers will ask a lot of questions, consume a lot of information, take up a lot of time potentially could come late into the sales cycle and derail you by asking a lot of fundamental questions and that throws off your whole cycle. Now, with XIQ, what we say is, as you build the relationships, as you meet people, as you exchange ideas with them, add them to the buyer group. And once you add them to the buyer group, it automatically segments them. And now coming to the point of the relationship, I see over here that Diane Brevo is somebody who is potentially a blocker. But within XIQ, I can take her across and move her, drop her into a doer. But in doing so, I have to write a a note. I have to give an explanation on why I believe that Diane, according to the psychometrics, who's a blocker, is actually now a doer. And so I need to write this information in, and I can help. Done, and there we see Diane has now been moved into the um, the the coach category, and here we can now start to see that they, these are the reasons. Now, the beauty of this tool is, as you know, Matt, that and your audience that we are no longer selling as one person. We are also team selling. So my VP of sales might go have a meeting. The account executive might go have a meeting. The pre-sales person might have go a meeting. And how do we get all these people on the same page? We have built this capability to be able to collaborate. And now you can share this buyer group with other people within your company. And so now we've built this capability where everybody that's in my sales team can view the comments and the remarks of how our different engagements are going and what are we thinking about all those different people within the company, right? And so this is a brand-new concept called buyer relationship management. And again, the reason we've added it, we've got the customer relationship management. And Matt, as you know, a lot of customer relationship management tools don't really help you sell. They help you manage the pipe, right? And so it's not about managing the pipe and it's not managing the data points. It's just about managing people and it's about managing buyers specifically within that. So by combining psychometrics, by being able to layer them into this um, organogram where we can drop them into coaches, doers, and blockers, and then giving the sellers the ability to. Move them around and take notes we 're creating a whole net new capability of being able to map how the relationship is going to be run, and we share that across with our colleagues so that everybody's on the same page
0: and we can have the
1: winning winning formula moving forward
0: it 's very very cool dude I think I love it i think it 's amazing i 'm definitely going to uh, use it um, for for myself i think it's it 's a very, very cool product, and you know for me, the reason why I do this show. Uh, is to really expose people to new technologies just like connected reach you know like with what Devin and his team are doing with what you guys are doing um, i think there's just such a and also like with the advance of chat gpt you know and these new uh tools ai what do they call it now generative ai
1: generative ai
0: yeah yeah it's generative generative ai like the world's changing quickly you know and i think if you're going to scale companies your companies. Like you have to be thinking about, well, what am I missing? you know? and so so yeah, I think you guys are doing something really different. So let's talk about you. How do you scale something like this? Obviously, I know you've raised a lot of money. you guys are are, are growing exponentially. Like, how why are you growing so quickly? Is it because of the is it word of mouth? Is it product market fit, would you say? What What is your view on why you guys are scaling as fast as you are?
1: Yes, great question. So um, when we started this company about four years ago and we were in a garage at that time and we were just like four or five developers kind of sitting there and kind of hacking, we felt based on the institutional knowledge I had from SAP that we were building something for the future. Along came unexpectedly the pandemic and it kind of, served as a catalyst to bring about a lot of changes. There had been a change that had been going around on B2B sales, but that change was accelerated. And what I mean by that change is buyers are savvier. In our B2C life, we see a lot of personalization, but in our B2B personas, we do not, right? Secondly, again, in B2C, we have a lot of places to go and research. You know, if you're going to a restaurant, you look up Yelp reviews, you look up different things to find out what is my experience going to be like in the B2B world that has been relatively scant uh, and scarce in getting to that information. So, but buyers are doing a lot more research. So buyers are becoming savvier. They, you know, again, partially due to the pandemic and partially because buyers don't want to really meet sellers right? So that distance has become bigger. And the time that these buyers are spending with sellers is now 5% of their full buyer life cycle, right? So given that, that served as a catapult for us to become more prominent. And two things, the product market fit, as you mentioned, made a lot of sense, right? The psychology of what's happening in the mind frame of an individual buyer, um, and then being able to experience that without ever having met that that person, to know them better than most people before you have even Met them or seen them is a very you know significant competitive advantage that buyers can have. So that w- that was very very attractive to our audience to our users base, and, and then you know just the sheer pragmatism again coming from the B two B world and not coming from the B two C world and trying to take cool B two C ideas into B two B, but knowing what works in B two B and enhancing them with. AI and psychometrics and those capabilities was also a great advantage for us in coming up and designing a product that actually fits the needs of the market. Once we started doing that, Matt, you know, again, as a result of the pandemic, 40% of workforce, 35% in usually sales forces have been moving around. And we are very fortunate that our product, if you go to G2 and look up XIQ in the enterprise category, we are a leader. We're a small company, but we're a leader in that space. And that's because we have very, very loyal customers. These loyal customers are starting to move around from organization to organization, and they're bringing our technology and our platform along with them. And lastly, what I would say is total cost of ownership, right? Today, if you look at the B2B landscape, on average, an enterprise uses about 12 to 16 different tools to go through that entire customer engagement life cycle, which is from prospecting to making, d- driving awareness to making first contact to getting them into the evaluation stage, getting into negotiation. And closing to doom, twelve to sixteen tools, multiple handoffs, as you can imagine, the cost of integrating this and the the you know that retards the velocity of how you can sell the loss of intelligence when you move data from one silo to the other is extremely costly. We are one platform, right? We can within that one platform provide you with sales intelligence. We can make recommendations on content. We can create email campaigns and we can provide analytics of how those campaigns are running. Right. So we have this extreme capability. And if you will allow me, I will show you some of that as well to be able to do that. But coming to answer your question, um, this fragmented environment. And the total cost of ownership of operating across this fragmented tech environment is very expensive in terms of not only dollars and cost, not only in the speed with which it allows you to get to your customers, but more importantly, in the resources it requires for people to understand in each technology. So today, B2B sellers spend less than 28% of their time selling. The rest of the time is administrative tasks, learning those 12 to 16 different technologies, jumping across from UI to UI to understand that, right? And we reduce that, we shrink that. And if you allow me, I'd love to be able to show you some examples of a next generation set of. Um,
0: campaigns that our engine allows you to build out. Uh, yeah, I think we're done with screen sharing for today. We're just running out of time. There's a lot I want to cover still. Um, I want to quickly talk about um, this idea of crossing the chasm. So I had Jeffrey Moore on the show um, not too long ago. And any be- the, the idea is, is that to scale any kind of technology adoption, you have to choose a niche. So uh, you know, I'm curious to ask you, what niche have you chosen? Because if you say B2B sales, B2B sales is massive, you know, and, but then there's B2B SaaS and that's massive. Then you've got B2B SaaS enterprise and now maybe you've got something to play with. But, may, but then within that, you've got industries and so on and so forth. Um, have you chosen a niche to, to help you guys scale?
1: So I'll give you an answer which might contradict what you were saying a little bit ago in terms of the massive size of these niches. So when we started out, there was a lot of pressure, especially when you start taking VC money to go into point solutions. And point solutions just exaggerate and exacerbate this, the problem that exists, that there are over 9,000 sales and marketing solutions. And, you know, buyers and decision makers have a very tough time doing that. So when we looked at it, we said, B2B, SaaS, enterprise. That's got to be an area. Second thing what we experienced, my experience at SAP was that, you know, not only have we got fragmented tech stack, we've also got the whole role of selling very fragmented. Right. So you, you first make contact through some marketing person. Second comes an SDR, a BDR, a pre-sales, uh, as, uh, as ex- account executive. And, you know, the tonality, the emotional resonance, it all eradicates between those handoffs. So it doesn't it stopped working at some point. You know, 84 percent of B2B deals are failing. This, these are deals that are in the qualified pipeline that are failing because of these ha- because the synergy between the buyer and the seller, the trust that needs to be built is not getting built. So we focused on that and very you know we went back and we said, look, we've got to look at the problem end to end. We cannot build a psychometric analysis solution, right? An AI based. We've got to look at how is that going to solve the the main problem that exists which is that today 84% of deals are getting lost and when we did the did the root cause analysis we said look you can build the platform and again post pandemic world which is really changing as you said earlier you know what was happening last year in b2b sales versus what's happening are two different universes altogether and one of the things that we are seeing is the emerging role of the account executive as the Director or the commander in chief of the full sales cycle, right? And so a good sales rep is very much um, responsible for ensuring that the very first, the messaging at the very first touch is not misaligned when when they are going into negotiations and where they're going into evaluation stages. So when you have that um, landscape or backdrop that's taking place, How do you empower this sales rep, this commander-in-chief sales rep in being able to run that full sales cycle? You need to have one platform. So our niche is that B2B enterprise sales and being able to equip the seller of the future, the person that's going to cut across these boundaries. And, you know, we already have examples of the chief revenue officer, you know, who's half chief marketing officer, half chief sales officer. And that's just starting to distill down. Mm -hmm. And good sellers; these are the best sellers I worked with at SAP. Were people that were very much in control of the very first touch, all the way to the very last touch, till the deal was controlled. What was happening? So our niche is to enable that what we refer to as the customer engagement lifecycle. Right? Is to automate.
0: Very interesting. Cool. Let's take a quick break. Raising money for your startup. Well, why don't you close your next funding round fast? Get investor-focused media and FaceTime with relevant investors in days. Visit showworksmedia.com for more. That's showworks with an X, media.com. Scale your business with your own AI-powered digital marketing assistant. Sign up today and get $250 of your first month's ad spend back. Check out meetotis.com forward slash rapid returns for more. And we're back. Um, So I think this idea of scale is really interesting. And and oftentimes I've found that businesses don't scale, or they can only scale really to the extent that the founder does. And so I'm curious to ask you two things. The first thing I want to ask you is, what are you struggling with as a founder in the context of scaling XIQ?
1: Yeah. So uh, what we are struggling with per se is the ability to find the next generation sellers the peop, you know is is the mindset has to change we are still very much stuck in the way things used to be done even though the world is moving forward and the 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 way selling is happening is changing very rapidly it's that change management the philosophy change that is required that's the the chasm that we need to get our clients to transition across. And so how do we get that message across in a scalable manner, right? So thank you for inviting me to your show. This is a great opportunity for us to kind of get that message out. But that, the channel with which, by which you can go and kind of show the future, right? This is what's going to happen. Um, That's, I would say, um, a, a challenging point. And then being able to bring sellers who can then articulate the vision of the future, right? There, everybody's still stuck in what they've been doing for the last 20 years. And I would say even last 30 years, because Matt, not a whole lot has changed in that world, right? Salesforce was the, I don't know, it's been 35 years. I don't know, maybe longer even that it came out and was the first sales tool. And it kind of sent in, you know, shockwaves in the enterprise space at that point. If you recall, you know, not a whole lot has changed since then, but now, the way we sell and the buyer's expectations have changed drastically. So we need to be able to rethink that. And to be able to have people who can, in a scalable manner, bring the message, evangelize that, that is a challenge,
0: right? So uh, Usman, how much scale is enough for you? You know, like, is this is this something that you wanna to get to become a unicorn and flip, or is it something that you want to hold on to for for 10 years? How much is enough?
1: So I just read an interesting little quote between unicorns and donkeys, right? Unicorns are great to date. Donkeys you want to marry. And the difference between a unicorn and a donkey is that the donkey works much more um, <laughs> systematically. It's reliable. It stays there for a while. And eventually it it develops into something that's sustainable. Um you know, bringing a new idea to market means that I have to, and I want to build some sustainability to it. Uh, But at the same time, um, so I'm not obsessed with the idea of being a unicorn or not. I think the idea, my biggest takeaway would be that we have very, very rewarded, satisfied customers who recommend us. And that's what we see that's happening. And so, What I'd like to be able to, the scale part of this, Matt, for me is the ability to be able to change the world, being able to show them that the future is a much more condensed, consolidated future, which using the -the state-of-the-art AI-based tools, you know, Chad GPT writes, what is it, white papers in three seconds or less, right? (laughs) So, I mean, imagine if it does that, that means I could churn out a white paper for every individual if I wanted to. Right. If that was my goal, I could do that. So now, when you have these new tool sets that are coming around, it you know begs that what is the process that we've been using? So my goal at this point is to be able to help the world understand and see that there is a need for new processes. There is a need to change things because we have a whole new set of tools and capabilities that allow us to work at a much more smarter. And much more faster pace, right? So for us, scale up, get satisfied customers, and I think the world is our oyster at that point.
0: I can see so many potential acquirers for this. It's actually quite insane. Salesforce being one of them. I mean, if you you know, uh, just, there's just so many applications for this because, to your point, I think these tools are are either. I mean, there's 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 a hundred thousand B two B SaaS. You know tools out there, um, but I think doing what you're doing and and you know knowing how uh, knowing how fast you guys are growing, I think it's you know, I think an acquisition is imminent and that's why I asked that question because it's kind of like what kind of founder are you? You know, are are you the donkey? Are you that guy, or are you the unicorn guy? Because you're different people. You know, they really are different people, and I think sometimes we and us I was, I was talking to Sean Corson about this. On the previous episode, um, and he he's the CFO of, of Dacity, um, about you know scaling and and you know it's like he hates corporate but then you might build a company that gets to a size that is a corporate again, you know what I mean, and so you wind up hating the business that you created. So it's a very important thing to to think about as a founder around how much uh, scale is enough. Changing gears quickly, though, I want to have a quick bit of fun with you, Usman, and then we have got to wrap up. If I gave you the keys to the Matt Brown show time machine and you could go back to yourself in the garage on day one, what advice would you give yourself about scaling XIQ?
1: Um I think we spend a little bit too much time on research, development, and kind of tinkering around. Maybe we should have gotten out to market and scaled our sales team a lot earlier. I think that would be a very honest impression of what it is. Um and then, you know to answer your question about donkey or unicorn, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm a builder, right? I like to build things and I like to be considered as a change agent. So that's what motivates me. And how much energy did that take and how much of, you know, inertia is that taking away from becoming a fast-growing unicorn? That's a question I still have, you know, needs to be answered at some point. But I think those would be my two points. Like, what would we be, you know, should we have invested in sales a lot earlier? Uh, but I think not, right? Also, because I think where we are and being able to bring in, you know, you get one chance. And um, I am just not the personality type that can come in and kind of whiz bang and then change around And You know, I've got to sell something. I'm, you know, something that's a lot more reliable. You know, I like to be able to have a respectable, trusted relationships with my clients. So, I needed to be able to do that before we started to be able to scale through sales.
0: Mm. Well, I think you guys have built an incredible product, legit. I really do. Um, And I think you guys have got a very bright future. So, Usman, on that bombshell, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time.
1: Matt, thank you so much for inviting me over.
0: Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon.